Father, your heart is always turned toward us, and it's huge, it's extravagant, and it's totally unconditional. Jesus, you point us to the Father. You're a friend. You're a perfect friend. And Holy Spirit, you point us to Jesus. Jesus, you point us to the Father. And we're just grateful. And I feel like what the Lord wants to say to us today is some of us might have had a good father, did the best he could, loved us. Maybe not. Or maybe we had married somebody that couldn't be a father to our children or to our grandchildren. And what the Lord wants to impart, it's so heavy, is he says, my Holy Spirit in you that points you to Jesus. Jesus is the perfect friend. And he wants us to understand on another level what kind of friend he is and that he will open the door for our family, for ourselves, to really get the Father's heart. Lord, I just ask, I don't think of you always as a friend. I think of you as a savior. You know, you're the Lord, but friend. And in, in my family's case, I had, I had a dad. I knew he loved me. He's kind of quiet and introverted, but my kid's dad died when they were just 11 and 13. And they were pretty devastated, and they still kind of are. They had a stepdad that promised he'd be there, and he wasn't, so they've got a double father wound. And I feel like what the Lord's saying is, Jesus can come in the back door. Where we have father issues, our kids do, or our grandkids, he comes in the back door. And he says, I'm going to be your friend, and I'm going to show you what a perfect friend is. And if we haven't had a perfect friend, then he's going to show us, and Holy Spirit in us is going to show us that part. So it's like it's this beautiful roadmap of if there's a lacking in the Father, Jesus is there. Holy Spirit will get us to Jesus. So Lord, I just ask for that impartation that we're going to grab onto Holy Spirit in us. You point us to who we need and what we need. Jesus, would you show us today on a deeper level what a perfect friend you are so that we can get into the Father's heart and know what a perfect Father is. And those of us that aren't here today, Lord, would you do that for them? Would you cover them and heal them that couldn't be here? And would you still give your love and your grace all over and wash over them too? And for the people that are coming, Lord, let them come knowing that the Father's heart is here. It's so planted here. And this is a safe place. This is a, a home, a triage unit, Lord, where they can be loved on and accepted and approved because that's who you are. Just thank you, Lord. And they all said amen. I supposed to say that. So any of the ministry team that wants to come up and if there's anybody that has something fabulous to share, please come on down. I came in last week pretty broken 
and uh, lots of pain, lots of, God, what's going on? Things are so out of control. We live in an environment, um, personally, where it's more of an association, and we're the only born-again Christians there. And so we have a big uh, target on our back, and it's been going on for uh, about four years. And so I just came forward and just said, we just need prayer. Where, where do we go? Do we stay? Do we go? Do we... I mean, literally every day we are fearful. Fearful for, um, quite honestly, of a fight provoked with my husband and he'll end up in jail. That's how bizarre. And so um, the prayer was just that if we were to move, God would give us a God house. Some of the complications of all of that, if you know my husband, he's disabled, so we're, we, uh, until that healing is completed, we need the doctors that we have. We need the pain specialists that we have. And so there's limitations with all of it. Um, he lost his ability at, at 42, I think, or 46, and so um, financially, it's not been that, the ending of the chapter of life you, you plan for. And yet, God shows up. So Friday, we had uh, the, the tribe, as we call ourselves, had a, a prophetic birthday party. And um, I just put it out there. And one of them said, Marilyn, remember, we offered you a chunk of land. And if you want to, you can't put a mobile home on it, but you could put a fifth wheel on it. and." And, 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 it's all right here in Port Orchard. <laughs> and they just said, we don't even want you to pay rent. Just make it all happen. Now, I remember, yeah, I, I remember when that offer came, and I said to the tribe, I said that to my husband four years ago, and it was the biggest going and we prayed about it the Lord gave me some wisdom on how to market it and um, he's very interested in the proposal now so I just want to say yay I don't know if that's really where we're going or how it's going to be the however is in less than five days, everything has changed in terms of how we see it. We don't feel that same stigma, that same, oh, death, where is thy sting? We're still very, very cautious, you know, uh, very cautious. And, um, and yet, wahoo. So as we were singing that song, was it, um, it says, my fear, and I thought, you know, think of the pronoun my. What does that mean? When it's my and it's me, it means I own it. Okay, so that's when we're walking in the flesh, when I own it. <laughs> and then the next sentence talked about his love. And that's when we step out of the flesh and we step into the spirit realm and say, okay, God, 
you're in control of this. You have this situation. So then as the rest of the praise and worship was just going on, and it talked about the cross, and it talked about the grave, and it talked about the freedom in him, I just literally, physically, in the spirit realm, standing there, saw a great big illuminated cross. And because we live in a mobile home court, we have lots of open green belts where the septic tanks are underground and all that. I literally planted illuminating crosses in every one of those green belts. And when they fit two-sided for the lanes, there was a cross on each side. I thought I was done until he said no. He said, plant one in front of every enemy's house. He said that they are going to have to walk and face me and make their decision. He said, you've done your part now. You're released. Your assignment's over. He said, this is the finished piece. They now will have to do their piece because you're not going to be there to be the, the, the play they're now going to have to see their own sinfulness. And I think, God, aren't you sweet? Aren't you precious? What an amazing God we serve. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have a body that I can be a part of where people are real and honest. You don't have to hide. You don't have to, oh, what will they think? And you don't have to have that chippiness that says, well, I really don't care what you think, because that's not God either. There's that fine balance that says, I know you care, and you know I care. And I cracked up thinking, okay, God, no wonder now I understand why you want me to preach on what you want me to preach on next week. And it's all about the porcupines in our lives the porcupines in our lives. So I just want to give God glory. I want to say thank you all for just being who you are in Christ. And that when one is down, the other lifts us up. And it's really nice to be up again. <laughs> awesome. Anybody else? I just want to say something about the blood of Christ. Because the blood of Christ, it not only washes away our sin, it separates us from, this, from sin. Yeah. Um, I don't know, has anybody ever driven the grapevine down in California? You know how it is? You're doing 80, 90 mile an hour down this freeway and you're cooking along and then you're noticing there's the, the, the most of the lanes aren't going this way and the other one's next to it going the other way. You start looking, you look way over and you see over in this other hillside the other lanes of traffic going the other way. It's a long ways away. Well, the blood of Jesus does this for us. It separates us from our sin like that highway is over there going the opposite direction. In order, the enemy t tries to tell you that your sin is on you or right next to you, and it's not. If you were going to try to get over there, you would literally have to bail out of the car with Jesus driving, get bloodied, hike over to that other freeway lane, put your thumb out to get a ride, and then Jesus comes by and picks you up, gets back on the on-ramp, and gets you going back the other direction again. 
That's how far we are separated from our sin, by the blood. Well, that was good. (laughs) Good stuff. That's a good picture. So um, just one of, the, one of the things that um, in my own morning, personal um, time with the Lord. Um, so, I, so I get into these studies, and I thought when he said, well, we're going to focus, the study is going to be on focus, and I thought, oh, good. Because I don't know how many times I've gone into prayer and I think I'm going this way. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, if I start the dishwasher and then I start the laundry at the same time. And then, and then I find my, you know, my time is just totally interrupted. And so I thought, oh, good, we're going to address this issue. And so as we started getting into the area of focus, it just became clear. He just said, he said, this is my focus. He says, my focus is that I do everything out of a heart of love. And so I want you to stop seeing yourself as being, um, I want you to stop seeing yourself as somebody who has to work for my love as as somebody who has to do right be right and and he says and when you're looking at the news and these people are upsetting you he says I want you to know that I have a heart of love for them too and so and that one was that part was a little tough to swallow because because I can only imagine how how it would be and to be in Maryland's situation and, uh, you know, these folks that are aggravating me, um, I, I would want anything but love for them. You know, I would want to see the wrath of God. And then, and then, and then he is always, he's just always all about, um, you know, my, um, my mercy and my grace and my forgiveness is uh, what I extend to them the same way I extended to you. And so, yeah, so focus wasn't about getting on track and staying on track. Focus was about keeping that heart of love towards all. Man, that was good. Did you guys put a bug in our living room? And Wait. Most of that was in my thoughts this morning. But Holy Spirit, you going to come up here? Man, so there's a theme. There's a lot of good confirmation here. Where do I want to start? You want to start with something? Okay. Well, I'm going to start by just being honest about something. And uh, I don't think it would be something that I'd have to snip out of the recording later. (laughs) Um, You know, God's been dealing with my heart when it comes to love. I'm going to try to do this without getting messed up here. (laughs) Um, Kind of like what Sharon was saying, kind of like what you're saying about your your park residents that are with you. you know, most of us, we, we try to love people. We try to turn our love on towards people. And then there's, you know, 
God knows how to bring stuff to the surface that's in us that needs to be dealt with, like unforgiveness or judgment, whatever. Um, lots of times it has to do with us being offended at other people's sin. You know, Jesus said, take the log, take the telephone pole out of your own eye before you try to pick a little speck of sawdust out of somebody else's. But we forget about that. I'll say we because I don't want to be alone in this. And, you know, I caught myself the other day showing Tammy a picture on Facebook of a girl. Um, it, It just, you know, you can make a judgment by a picture of what a person's lifestyle might be like, their personality, whatever. And they were a part of someone's church. And I... I showed it to Tammy, and there was something wrong in my heart about it. I was like, check this out. Kind of in my, my heart was saying, my, my, my flesh actually was saying, is this what they like approve of? I hope you guys don't think I'm terrible telling this. (laughs) Maybe you can identify at some point with me. So, it convicted me because Tammy's like, that's awesome that, you know, that that person's at their church. And I just felt so convicted. And then I tried to probably justify it. Maybe I I did. Because I don't want to be guilty. You know, I don't want shame. None of us wants shame. And it shouldn't be, and she did not shame me. I must make that clear. Tammy didn't shame me. But I shamed myself by trying to justify it, by trying to wiggle out of it. So... Probably the next morning, maybe, um, it was in the morning, I was reading, I've been reading through Sean Bowles' book, Bowles's, Bowles, his last name is B-O-L-Z, so Sean Bowles' book <laughs> called Translating God, and it's about hearing the voice of God, hearing the Holy Spirit, and he went into a very deep, well, he's been going into it almost every chapter it is all about having love being your foundation when you minister prophetically. Um, in fact, let me just open up this other note here. You know, I was reading a couple different books. I was reading Randy Clark's book called There Is More, and it's about getting whacked by the Holy Spirit, getting filled and baptized and an impartation that where people shake and they fall down and you know, they have an encounter with the presence of God and they get up and they're never the same. But in the book, he quoted this, this doctor, uh, Denise Meisberg. Um, she said, you can't use his power. I'm just going to pause. You can't use his power unless you know his heart. I know, you know, if you've been a Christian long enough, he's changing our hearts. He's transforming our hearts. He's shaping our hearts to become more like Jesus. And Jesus loved people. He touched the untouchable. He touched the leper. You know, in the Old Testament, you touch the leper and you get leprosy. In the New Testament, through Jesus, you touch the leper and they get, clear, they get healed. They get clean. 
that should affect how we look at life with sickness, with sin. We shouldn't be afraid to touch it. So when I was reading um, Sean Bowles' book, I thought I would just share a little bit of it with you guys. Is, it, is that cool? You guys good? You hear a little bit of a, a reading session here? Starts out with a quote by John G. Lake, who led a huge healing revival in the early 1900s. Men have mystified and philosophized the gospel, but it is, a, it is as simple as it can be. The secret of Christianity is in being. It's in being. It is in being a possessor of the nature of Jesus. It's all about us possessing the nature of Jesus within us. As Paul said, I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I'm dead. I no longer live. So I'm going to read some of what Sean said here. It's a little testimony. And when I read this in my vehicle the other morning, I felt something ripping out of me. It, it broke me. It felt like something was getting peeled out of my inner person. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.1 In this chapter, Paul encourages the Corinthians to follow the way of love or pursue love as the main goal, but also to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And he highlights the gift of prophecy. The reason why is because prophecy can be one of the clearest validations of the Father's great love, which Jesus paid such a high price for. When people hear the thoughts and emotions of God toward them, they believe in his love for them. One day I drove to my old favorite coffee house where the rich, famous, wannabes, gonna-bees, has-beens of Hollywood all hang out. It's around the corner from our house. Now we know where he lives. And there was a woman there who was in tatters. Her bad wig was on crooked and showing her own dark roots coming out of the side. Her mascara was running longer than the Mississippi. Her hands were black and blue, and she looked freezing, even though the morning sun of L.A. was up, and it wasn't that cold. Crying in a whisper, please, I'm hungry, please, help me, anything, I just need food. She was saying this in a very convincing way, but because she had been on the street so long, she belonged there in passerby's minds. She belonged there, people thought. Everyone just rushed by her. She was used to begging, so people were used to ignoring her. She was used to street walking, so she was used to being invisible to most people, unless they wanted to use her. Because I have worked in street ministry, I knew she was an old-timer in prostitution, and I knew she must have had one of the worst nights of her life to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning looking somewhat beat up. I walked past her, but at this point she was crumpled in a ball on the ground and crying. I went into Starbucks and ordered two coffees, two breakfast sandwiches, and some other stuff, and I brought out hand, hands full of food to her. Still, no one was paying any attention to her, 
because she was one of the lost, forgotten ones. Society says it's her own fault. Stay away from those types. You can't really help them. And I understand where this comes from because we aren't trained to help people like her without a degree in social work or law enforcement. So people feel powerless. It's easier to ignore them. She looked up at me and stood up. For me, she started to take the bags and she hugged me. It was a real hug. I could see her. The world around us just saw this scary, drug-addicted, sick, old prostitute, but somehow I could see her. I could believe in her that in that moment, and I could see her value. I didn't know what to prophesy, and I asked the Father, what do I say? She's so valuable. Wow. <laughs> She's so valuable. When was the last time I walked by a homeless person and said, Want to take over? Let <laughs> me laugh. That'll help me. Shake it off. Shake it off. Okay. <clears throat> She's so valuable. And I heard right then four words to say. <laughs> I said, Right as she gave the friendly hug, you are not invisible. She broke in my arms. Somehow it defined exactly how she felt. After she cried for a while, I hugged her deeply. She looked in my, into my eyes and said, thank you. No one has been kind to me for probably a year. And then he said, can I do anything else? I asked. You've done more than you could ever know. She hugged me again and left. And later on, he talks about seeing her in the street, but... You know, the old bracelet, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know, I have to question <laughs> what's going on inside of me? What's in my heart? Don't cry back there. You're going to make me cry even more. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. I know women tend to be a little more emotional than men, and if a man's starting to lose it, it's going to even be worse for you guys. Although... <laughs> You're pretty tough ones up here. You're like. <clears throat> so I felt like God was saying that this is something that we all need. Doy. Yeah. We all need to receive an infilling of his love. Tammy and I years ago, and when we were living in Tacoma, had this old couple that were really awesome. They were spirit-filled. They had been in ministry probably for over 50 years, probably 60. They were pretty ancient, it was, but they were so sweet. And she would, he would tell stories, and then she would stop and say stuff about some of these leaders of churches that were kind of mainstream, uh, you know, like Methodist-type church or Presbyterian. She was talking about some of these leaders, and she, and she would say, and her look in her face was so, so telling of everything, and then they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she just had this look. The baptism of the Spirit was so new and so fresh. And maybe, maybe we've become so familiar with it in our expression, in our discussion, 
that we forget that we need a fresh infilling. We need a fresh impartation of the love of God. You know, I've got a book by Rick Joyner in the car. It's about the Welsh Revival. And he was talking about some of, uh, I forget the name of the guy that led the Welsh Revival. You guys know off the top? It's okay. But he had an encounter with the presence of God in his study. And he said it was like liquid love. It was just pouring over him. And he was a mess. We need to get filled with that liquid love. God is love, the Bible tells us. The fruit of the Spirit is number one on that list, love. And I think the rest of it all follows out of that, that heart of love. You know, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He loves the world. He loves every person in this world. We don't believe in this church. I'll speak for myself, and hopefully you guys would say, yes, I agree with that. We don't agree in John Calvin's acronym of TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. I can't remember, but uh, the L in TULIP means limited atonement. In other words, the atonement was only for those who are going to be saved, that Jesus' blood didn't cover all sins of all mankind. But the Bible does tell us that while he was on the tree, he bore our sins in his flesh. And it also, I don't even remember the address now, but it says he, he bore the sins of the world in his body. I think it's that same passage. Jesus bore the sins of the world. Before you were born, before I was born, 2,000 years ago on that tree, and everyone that ever lived before him, he carried the weight of the sin of the whole creation while he was on the cross. That was the agony of the cross. Not the nails, not the whipping, not hanging there suffocating. It was when his heart was crushed by the weight of our sin. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So when we look at people in the world, when we look at people around us. Thank you. Was I getting ready to delete it again? I know how to recover it if I accidentally hit that button. (laughs) I was thinking of Emily. She's been going to Olympic College. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to come up and talk. There's a, a transgender person in her school, and after God was doing that in me, I thought of her connection and how she could love on people and so I just what I felt like I was seeing what I wanted to encourage is that let the love of the father just come out of your eyes we're not going to get to hardly any scriptures this morning probably none at all but once you jump down to that one that says your eye is the lamp of the body you know what is on the inside of you comes out in your eyes lots of times I mean don't say that don't take me as saying well you know you can see everything about a person just by looking in their eye but I'm I'm telling you people can see love they can see the love of God in you the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are unhealthy 
your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, another translation says, if your eye is single. What's the next verse? Is it the Hebrews one? Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, I think when we fix our eyes on Jesus, and what I felt like God was saying to me this week when I was feeling a little bit torn up and gross about how I've felt and thought about people, maybe things I've said, I felt like God was letting me know that it's in spending time with him. You can't just hear someone say, you know, God is love and it's all about love and then walk away and be done. You have to marinate in the love. You need that, an infusion of that liquid love, the love of God through the Holy Spirit being imparted and released in you until all judgment just is washed out it's like a drip feed washing out in all the impurities. We just need a continual abiding. Jesus said, abide in me. If you don't abide in me, you have no life in you. But abide in me and you will bear a lot of fruit. You will be fruitful. So as we abide in him, I feel like for me, and maybe for the rest of us, just abiding in his love. This morning was a love feast. We feasted on the Lord's table. The songs were pretty much all about his love, how we love him and he loves us. And you know, his banner over me is love. He is madly in love with his sons and daughters, the sons and daughters of creation, not just those who are saved. He wants the rest of them to come home too. But that doesn't mean that if they refuse him and reject him that there won't be a consequence because we know he didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him and those that did not come to him they remain in their sin they remain in their darkness but God isn't going to judge people according to what they've what their sin habits were you're going to be judged whether you are in Christ or not in Christ. I mean, yeah, maybe there is some consequence to the things that we do. But what gets you into heaven and what keeps you out of heaven is not a scale of how much sin you kept in your life or got rid of. It's whether you stepped into Jesus and what he did by paying for the whole sins of the whole humanity, for the whole human race, or if you reject that. Men refuse to come into the light because they know their deeds are evil. That's why they don't want to come in because they don't want to change. They don't want to have their sin exposed. Can we go to the top? What, do you want to interrupt? No? Okay, let's just go to the top. I'm just going to read some of this Ephesians and we're going to wrap it up with this, guys. So Ephesians 3, the first uh, two verses I have are 10, and, 10 through 12. I didn't do the Passion Translation because it's just like twice or three times as much stuff to show you. So it's probably a good thing I changed my mind at the last minute. So God's intent. God has an intent. He has something in mind. He has a purpose that he wants to accomplish. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Let's just pause and wait on that for a second. God's intent is that through us, you're the church, he, 
he wants to reveal through our lives the manifold, the many-folded or multicolored various aspects of the wisdom of God. How we represent God on the earth is important to him. I can imagine that it's very high on his list that we love people. As Sean Bowles was saying in his book, you know, when we want to give a prophetic word, it's not about doing ministry and wowing somebody and winning them to God because you flow in the supernatural gift. It's about them getting a taste of the love of the, of the Father for them, the love of God, that God would speak something through another vessel just to get to them. So when we approach people in love, we are representing his heart. And when we come to someone in his heart, then God will give us deeper insight into what to say. Maybe when we feel like we don't have a word for somebody, it could be. Maybe we're just not really walking in love. I don't know. For me, that could be. You want to take it for a minute? Yeah. Okay. Let me do this. When, when we're ready to do that, are you, you that. Are you not? One, one last thing. <laughs> She's ready to go eat, I think. No, uh-huh. I just I'm, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm teasing. I'm joking. Just joking. Relax. <laughs> I am hungry, though. <laughs> We're going to do the next section of Ephesians 3. Oh, wait, no. I didn't finish reading it. So God's intent is that his manifold wisdom would be revealed through us, through the church. And it says to the principalities and powers, you know, the spiritual realm, basically that the church is, we, we are the, the church, we are the professors of the college for heaven. So we get to display, we get to teach them and instruct them on what God really has inside of his, his plan for us. I don't know. That's how I kind of see that. It's, it's pretty deep when it comes to that part of that verse. But the part that really just goes deep in, in me and really makes a lot of sense is that he wants to reveal his nature through us. I don't know about the whole heavenly realm part. That I'm clueless about that. Why? It's a mystery. But according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So just let that be a blanket over all of us. Nothing that maybe is convicting me or you when it comes to not walking in love or walking in judgment or being afraid of people's sin It doesn't mean that now we can't come to God because we got something wrong with us. No, we have a permission. We have access and invitation to come to him and approach him with freedom and confidence. So we're going to read the last part of this Ephesians 3 passage, and then we'll wrap it up. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source of, and root of your life. I just want to just meditate on that for a second. By constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of our life. So we have a root system, and the, the roots, our spirit man roots, want it, they are hungry for the love of God. You may not feel like you need it, but the the inner person of who you are 
the person that is going to fly out when the house gets torn down, you know, your spirit man or woman, craves and longs to be secure in the love of God. But our roots need to go down deep into that love, and it will release fruit. It will release the life of Christ from deep within us. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are so filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Do you want to have everyone stand? Yes, I'd like everyone to stand, please. That's what you're up to. I'm going to tell you what I'm up to. So, you know, as he was reading that part of that book by Sean and talking about the homeless lady or prostitute, that can also apply to the snotty gig harbor soccer mom. That can apply to a spouse. That can apply to um, someone you run into every week at the grocery store. It doesn't have to be, I mean, yes, we want to, you know, we love our homeless people. And yes, we want to show love to them, but who is God showing you right now in your life? That, and it may be a prostitute, it may be a homeless person, but who is God showing you in your life right now that you need to get a fresh love for? And just like to pray for that. You want to? So let's pray. If you feel like God shows you somebody, that was actually part of what I thought I might get to was just, you know, the end, the end note would be forgiveness. Jesus said, well, Paul wrote, forgive just as the Lord Jesus Christ forgave you. So Father, this morning we just, we, we present our heart before you. We, we present our whole being to you right now. And we just say, if there's anybody that you want us to forgive that we may not be thinking about, that we're holding something against, would you reveal that to us, Lord? Would you show us who we need to forgive? And we just speak right now, I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them for the things that they've done and I forgive them for the things they have not done. I, give them, I forgive them for the things that they have said and I also forgive them for the silence, for not responding. I forgive them for leaving a, an open space where I use my imagination in an improper way and think the worst. I forgive them. I release them now by the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that washed all my sin away and released me in my debt and my need for forgiveness. I now release that to them. I forgive. In fact, this morning, Lord, we just say, bless them. Let your blessing fall on these people that are on our radar 
Bless them, Lord. Bless their health. Bless their finances. Bless their spiritual walk. Encounter them in the secret place, in the dream, in the early morning hours, in the late night hours. Encounter them. Reveal yourself to them. Let them know the joy of salvation. And if they're Christians, flood their life with your goodness that they would know and taste and see just how good you are. So we thank you, God. We release them and we ask you this morning, would you fill us with that liquid love? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and fill each one of us. Go into the deepest places of our heart and our mind and our thoughts. Let the root system of our inner man, our inner woman, go deep into your love, that endless, measureless love. And I pray this morning that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us the ability to just grasp how great that love is that you would give us power by the Holy Spirit to be able to grasp, to be able to comprehend how deep and how wide and long and high is the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your love, and we just pray that you would help us this week to marinate in it, that you would help us to soak in your love, that we wouldn't move out of that meeting place with you, out of that secret place, out of our car or out of that, that room where we spend time in your word, that we wouldn't move until we have received a fresh infilling of your love and that it would transform the way we see people, that we would be so single-minded, our eyes would be so single-focused on Jesus so fixed on him that our whole body would be full of light, that we would be filled and overflowing with your goodness, with your love. So we just declare your blessing over this room, over this group today. And we thank you, God, that if one of us could put a thousand to flight, then how much damage to the dark side can this whole room of people do? So we just thank you, God, that you're with us. In Jesus' name.